Well, good morning and happy Father's Day to all the dads that are out there. Listen, I know we show a lot of love to all the moms on Mother's Day, but can we give all the dads in here a round of applause? Like, grateful for dads. Would you open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 13? And we're going to be jumping around in a few different books this morning. But if you don't have a Bible, our ushers are making their way up to the front right now. You can just slip up your hand and they will get you one. And that's for you to either borrow or you can keep it. Either way, it's our gift to you. You could also download the Bible app on your smart device. And the cool thing about that is if you go to the More tab and under Events and your location services are enabled, we should pop up in all the message notes and scriptures have been added in ahead of time. And if you're watching us live online, we're so grateful that you're here with us. Thanks for being here. So for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is DJ and I'm part of the team here at Life Church. And uh, I'm originally from California, specifically sunny San Diego. And my wife and I moved here to Wisconsin about a year and a half ago with our two kids, Blake and Brooklyn. And we have loved Love, love being here with all of you. And we've loved a lot of the connections that we've made with many of you. And today, I wanted to spend my time talking to you on something that has been really important to me. And one thing that I've learned over the years is that we can get bits and pieces of who we are from different people. And that could be parents, that can be uh, uh, family members, that could be friends, that could be siblings, teachers, mentors, whoever it may be. And a lot of these traits shape the way we treat people and how we handle different situations throughout our lives. And it can affect what we leave behind for those that are closest to us. And we don't always think about the long term and we don't always think about a few generations down the line because we live in a, a culture and a society where everything is wanted right here and right now. I mean, we have quick access to everything on our phones and our computers. It's like right there at your fingertips. And honestly, I didn't even start thinking about some of these things until I started having kids and I started to think about what I would leave behind for them. So I wanted to get you thinking about your legacy by bringing a message today that I'm calling, What Will Be Your Legacy? Let's pray. God, I thank you for all our friends in this room, God. I thank you for what you're doing here. And I just ask that today that you would just give us open hearts to receive whatever it is that you have for us and, and that we would just take it and that we would apply it into our daily lives, God. And I just ask that you bless every person today. In Jesus' name, amen. So most people in life don't sit and think about their legacy, like until they're in their later years of life and they're reflecting on, on what they've done in, in the past or maybe someone's close, close to them has passed on. And the truth is, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what demographic you are or what you've done in the past. The truth is that each and every person will leave a legacy. And now that's not my opinion and that's not an option, but that's a fact. Each and every one of us will leave a legacy. And the question that we have to continue to ask ourselves daily is what type of legacy do I want to leave behind? And to begin to answer that question, we have to know what a legacy is. And a legacy is what you leave with the people you're closest to after you're gone. It's what lives on after you die, how you, how you will be remembered by others. It's the impact that you made in this life while you were here. 
So now that we know what a legacy is, we can ask ourselves a series of questions. The first being, what type of legacy was left behind for me? What type of legacy was left behind for me? Because it's important that we begin to process and learn what type of legacy that was left for us. Like, how did those closest to us resolve conflict? How did those closest to us handle their finances? How did those closest to us treat people? A person who probably made one of the greatest impacts, not only in my life, but in a lot of my family members' life, was my grandma, Grace. Like, she was one of the most generous people that I've ever known. Like, she not only raised nine of her own kids, but she raised some of her kids' kids and some of her kids' kids' kids. And for those of you having a hard time tracking that, that's her grandkids and her great-grandkids. Like, she was, she, she was just so generous, and she took people in who needed, to help get, needed help get back on their feet. And she never asked for anything in return. And there were many times that I saw her giving gifts to people. And she took in three bad kids, me and two of my brothers, for summers out of the, out of the years and took care of us. Like she loved being able to help all the way to her last days here on this earth. And she served others. And to her, it wasn't about having more for herself, but giving more to others. And that's my grandma Grace's legacy. Who are the people that left you a legacy? Who are your grandma graces? And we need to figure out those who left us legacies because then we can ask ourselves, am I creating that same type of legacy? Are you creating the good habits that were left for you? Are you creating the bad habits that were left for you? How do you resolve conflict? How do you handle your finances? How do you treat people? And I know throughout my life, I've picked up a lot of great habits and good habits that I've, I've tried to live through, but I know I've also picked up a lot of bad habits. And I ha I've had to be aware of the choices I've made every single day. And then you can ask yourself, who are the people that have influence in my life today? Who are the people that have influence in your life today? Because it's not just about the people who left you a legacy, but it's about those who influence you today. Like, who are the people that are part of your inner circle? Or as I, I like to say, it's like, who are the people that are sitting at your dinner table? Because the dinner table is usually the closed family, intimate setting. Who are the people that are closest to you? What are you filling your life with? Are those people positive or are they negative people? Motivational speaker Jim Rohn said, when it comes to relationships, we are greatly influenced, whether we like it or not, not by those closest to us. It affects our way of thinking, it affects our self-esteem, and it affects our decisions. The people you spend the most time with are typically the ones who will influence you the most. And a lot of people in today's society and culture work most of their lives to build their reputation instead of their legacy, which is counter opposite of what the Bible tells us to do. In Proverbs 13, it says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. It's telling us not to just think about the now, but to think about the future. I think a lot of people confuse their legacy and their reputation with each other. They just do. They just, they just don't know the difference. And the difference is that your reputation is about yourself and your legacy is about others. Your reputation, your reputation is something you build for yourself while your legacy is about what you can build for others. So what are you and I putting in? What are we sowing into? Because you reap what you sow. 
And kids are a great reflection of what you sow. Like, I know my kids are a great reflection of what I'm sowing into them. How do your kids treat you? How do they speak to you? I know there are a lot of times when my kids say and do something, and I ask myself or I ask my wife, and I say, like, where on earth did they get that from? Like, I know they didn't get that from me. They must have got it from your side of the family. Like, where did they get that from? But then next thing you know, 20 minutes later, I'm doing the same thing that I, didn't, uh, that I saw in them that I didn't like. I'm doing the same thing. And they'll yell at each other because they see me yell at them. Or they'll give a ton of attitude because they see me giving attitude to someone or I'm giving it to them. And when I think just about me, I'm sowing seeds of selfishness. Are you sowing things that benefit you? Or are you sowing things that benefit others? In Galatians 6, it says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now, one thing that I've never had a desire to do is farming or gardening. Like, those of you who can, kudos to you because... I can't keep a plant alive. Like, we kill plants at our house that require minimal to no water at all. Like, they just, they, they just die. Like, we have no green thumbs at all. Like, I, I could probably look at a plant and it would just die because I'm, I'm just that bad at, at that type of thing. But one thing I do know is that when I plant a particular kind of seed, and for today's sake, we'll just say, we'll just call it a sunflower. So if I plant for a sunflower, I know I'm going to get a sunflower. Now, I know I've got to take care of it. I know I've got to water it. But I know that's what I'm going to get. Now, let's say one day I decide, you know what? I want a pumpkin. Pumpkin. I want a pumpkin. But all I'm still planning for is sunflowers. I'm going to get a sunflower. And I could want a pumpkin so bad. Like, I just want it so bad. But if all I'm still planting for is sunflowers, I'm going to get sunflowers. You see, you can try to will, you can try to want, you can try to pressure, and you can try to push it all you want to be a pumpkin, but in the end, it's still going to be a sunflower. And likewise, you can try to will, you can try to want, you can try to push, you can try to pressure people to do what you want, you can try to make your spouse change, make your kids listen, but in the end, you are going to reap what you've sown into them. You're going to get out what you've put in. You will always, always, always Harvest what you plant. The Message Bible puts it like this. It says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. So when Paul writes this, he makes sure that we knew that ignoring the needs of others will get us off in the weeds. And he also made sure that we knew that when we ignore the needs of others, we're ignoring what God has commanded us to do. Because there are countless times in the Bible that he says, that, in, that he talks about helping others. And some of you in here today may be wondering why wherever you work, like people may not like you. Like you've gone from job to job or you've gone from place to place and you can't make a relationship work with anyone. Or maybe you're someone in here that's when, whenever you go home, your family doesn't want to be around you. Your spouse doesn't want to be around you. Your kids don't want to be around you. Why is that? It's because you've ignored the needs of others and you've made it about you. Like how do you speak to others? Are you kind? Are you sarcastic? 
Are you a negative person? Because in Proverbs 18, it says the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And it seems so easy to speak negatively to others or about others. And our words can change the direction of people's lives and legacy. And we need to speak life to people. I know for me, when my wife and kids are seeking out praise or approval from me, I know that there are things that I haven't sown into that I should have been. And like, we need to be able to tell our kids that they're doing a great job. We need to tell our spouses how much we appreciate them. Tell your boss how much you appreciate that they hired you, that they gave you a job. Speak life and encourage others because what you sow is what you will harvest. And your words can be like a double-edged sword and it can cut people down or it can be like a, a pile of bricks and begin to build people up. And in James 1.19, it says to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. It's important to choose our words wisely because every choice and what we say and every choice and what we do becomes a part of the legacy. And I wonder, how much death do we speak to others when we are so quick to speak and so slow to listen? Like how much death? How many times have we discouraged people? How many times have we been the barrier between people and their dreams? How many times have we made people feel less than, made our spouse feel less than when we don't listen and we get super defensive? How many times have we made people around us feel less than when, we don't, when they don't meet our expectations? And how much more life could we speak when we, when we are quick to listen and slow to speak? When our perspective shifts from it's all about me to how can I speak life and make it about others, it changes the course of our legacies. And your family and friends will be left with what you've passed on to them, whether it's good or bad. And the legacy you leave will become the legacy that they li live, and it will also become the foundation of the legacy that they begin to create. Another question to ask yourself is, am I building a conditional legacy? A few minutes ago, we read that when we sow selfishness or selfish things, we can reap decay and death. And a conditional legacy is what you can reap. And a conditional legacy is when you've lived your life to help others, but you've, you've only done it when it's benefited you. And have you ever said to yourself, like, well, if they do this for me, then I will give this to them or I will do this for them. Or if the kids would just let me rest for once, then I could, I've had the energy to go here. And when we create a conditional legacy, we're saying it's all about me. And creating a conditional legacy also creates conditional relationships. And that's one thing my wife and I have had to work with our kids time and time again. There have been many times that I've heard my son and daughter having a conditional relationship. You'll hear my son in the room say, well, Brooklyn, if you, if you give me Captain America, then you can come into my room. Or if you give me this, then, then I'll, I'll let you do this. Like, they do that all the time. Or there's been times when my son will say, like, I tell you what, Dad, because that's how my five-year-old son talks now. He says, I tell you what, Dad. I tell you what. If you, if you want me to clean, you got to give me candy first. And I look at him, I'm like, whoa, hold on. No, you're going to clean because I said you have to clean. And my first reaction can be to just blow up and get mad. But how can I blame him when that's the type of relationship that I've created with him? When I say, you know what, let me finish this work and then I'll play with you. Let me do this and then I'll give you that. Conditional relationships aren't healthy. They're not healthy at all. And they're 
They're destructive. And to be honest, who wants to be around someone who will only help when they're going to get something out of it? Like relationships will crumble and legacies will be destroyed and they will destroy generations of families. But the great thing is that there's hope. Like there is hope. And we can learn a lot by the one who left the greatest legacy, Jesus. Like there's so many characteristics throughout the Bible that we can pick up from his life that will help us today. But I'm only going to focus on three of them. And the first one being that Jesus was humble. Like Jesus was super humble. And even though it was all about him and everything we do is all about him, Jesus didn't act like it was all about him. He says in Matthew 20 that for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to give. He came to give his life for others as a ransom for many. I mean, if you think about it, it's like this is Jesus. This is God in the flesh, the one who has all authority, the one who has all the power, the one who's worthy of all the glory, worthy of all the honor. And he pretty much says, like, I didn't come here for me. I came here for you. And he says, I didn't come here to be a dictator. I didn't come here to just boss you around. I didn't come here to make you my slave. No, I came here to serve you. And a great example of that is in John chapter 13 where Jesus is with the disciples and he begins to wash their feet. It says, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Now, I don't know about you guys in here, but I am not a feet person. Like feet kind of gross me out a little bit. Like, I love my wife, but I do not love her feet. Like, feet just are just, oh, just gross. And you could just imagine and picture the filth and grime, uh, not on my wife's feet, but on the <laughs> disciples' feet. You could picture the filth and grime that are, were on their feet just from all the traveling, all the walking that they did. They were just so gross and so nasty. And yet Jesus took the time and washed their feet for them. Like, Jesus sacrificed. Jesus sacrificed what he knew he deserved to do it for them. Jesus sacrificed what he deserved to bless others. Why? Why would he do that? It goes on to say, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. You see, he clearly says, I have given you an example. Like, do as I have done to you. And Jesus never asked for us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. And he doesn't necessarily mean wash someone's feet, although he may tell you to wash someone's feet. He hasn't told me to do that, but he may tell you to do that. But what he's saying is to stop and serve someone. Stop and serve others. Sacrifice your pride. Sacrifice your ego. Because Jesus was humble. The next thing that Jesus was, was Jesus was compassionate to others. And we could see this in the story of the adulterous woman. The, the Pharisees and religious leaders in Jesus' day weren't the most compassionate or forgiving people. And then the story in John chapter 8, they catch a woman in an adulterous act and they bring her to Jesus. 
And it says, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. See, the Pharisees and religious leaders, they showed condemnation and not compassion. Like you have this woman who most people would have cast out, this woman that most people would have just threw away because of the lifestyle that she lived, and Jesus had compassion for her. He could have easily looked at her situation and said, she didn't deserve my help. She doesn't deserve this. And the crazy thing is that she didn't do anything for Jesus up up until that point. She didn't do anything for him, but yet he still had compassion on her despite what society said to do. Will you be compassionate to others despite what today's society says about people? Because Jesus had compassion. And the third thing that Jesus did is Jesus loved others. He loved others. He showed that to us by sacrifice on the cross for you and I. John 15 says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Like, it still amazes me that he even causes his friends. And he not only laid down his physical life, but he laid down other aspects of his life. He laid down what was rightfully his. He laid down his royalty. He laid down his pride. All for the people he calls his friends. And as we begin to wrap up today, I want to remind you of three things that you and I can do to begin to better our legacy. The first one being, evaluate the legacy that you're creating. Begin to evaluate it. Is it a reputation that you're building or is it a legacy? What are the good things that I'm doing? Because there are good things that you're doing. There are good things that could have been left behind for us that are in in our DNA and what we do. And then you have to ask yourself, what are the things that I need to change? I know for me, there are a ton of things that I still need to change and I'm constantly working on. It's a daily journey to begin to make those changes. The second thing is to sow into things that don't benefit you, but benefit others. Like, and that's such a hard thing to do. It's hard to think this way because we do have to be able to take care of ourselves. We have to be able to do that. And that's why it's so important to have your five in order. And you've heard uh, uh, Pastor Sean talk about his five so many times and putting God first, yourself second, your spouse, your kids, and then your extended family. We need to put God first and begin to sow the things of God into our lives because we can have the ability to sow into others when we do that. And the third thing that we can do to have a better legacy is to follow the example that Jesus set for us. Follow his example. Be compassionate to others. Be loving to people. And be humble. Even when God is elevating you and and giving you great things, be humble. 
Romans 5 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Like you and I, we didn't do anything for God. We didn't do anything for him, but he, because of what he did for us, we have the opportunity to be a part of the greatest legacy that there ever was. We got the opportunity to follow that. In Philippians 2, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is the legacy of Jesus. A legacy of humbleness, a legacy of compassion, being compassionate and a, a legacy of love. And as we close, I wanna pose this question to you. What will be your legacy? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Your legacy is not what you do for yourself, but it's what you do for others. And maybe you're, you're in here today and you want to begin to build a legacy like Jesus, but you, you just haven't known how to do that or you haven't built that relationship or haven't even ever had the opportunity to receive Jesus in that type of legacy of love and compassion and humbleness in your life. And I wanna give you that opportunity today. With nobody looking around, if that's you and you're saying, I wanna invite him into my life for the first time today and I want to have the legacy of Jesus in my life, would you slip up your hand and make eye contact with me so I can pray with you? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Would you say this all across the room? Would you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I need you. Be my Lord, be my savior, change my life and make me new in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, would you take that hello card that's located in the seat pocket in front of you? And there's a yellow box in there that says, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Just check that and you can tear that off and drop it in the black buckets that'll go around in just a moment. We want to be able to connect with you and help you along on your Jesus journey. With everyone's heads still bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're in here today and you're saying to yourself, I'm leaving a legacy, but it's it's not quite the one that I've wanted to leave. And I wanna put Jesus as the foundation of the legacy that I'm creating. If that's you, would you slip your hand up so I can pray with you as well? Great. Jesus, thank you for every person in this room today. I ask that as we go, the foundations of the legacies we're creating begin to change and be more like the one you want us to have and that we become who you want us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.